Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, I have some very interesting guests today. My first guest uh, has lived in 46 countries, and including residing in Naples, Italy, and Japan. Currently, he's settled for San Diego, and I'm sure he's happy to be there. Uh, and uh, he is Frank Caparino. Frank is known around uh, the professional networking group as Franchise Frank for good reason. Uh, he started with uh, in franchising um, with a group co- uh, with owning uh, uh, Cold Stone Creameries in 1996, uh, and he sold all of those, became a franchise consultant, and he helps people find the correct franchise for their needs. His service is free to his clients. He gets paid by the franchisor. He represents a hundred franchises in twenty different industries. And you know, a lot of you out there are thinking about what am I going to do once I sell my business, once I exit, maybe I want to buy another business. So grab a pen and a, a good piece of paper, a good long piece of paper, and take some notes uh, because Frank Caparino is going to help us understand more about the franchising world. Frank, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate the opportunity. It's really my pleasure. You know, we've had some interesting conversations offline, Frank, and I really think this will be interesting for our guests. Uh, tell us about how you, a little bit more about your interesting background. You've been in several industries, and, uh, and how did you gravitate towards the franchise world? Well, good, Bill, because it, it is an interesting journey. You know, I even teach at some colleges in San Diego State and so forth, and, and we always tell uh, students and our, our children and grandchildren to have goals and set goals. But if we all look at our life, our life is kind of a zigzag also, right? It's just the way you move with the economy changing. Well, my bachelor's mm-hmm. is in engineering, and that's what brought me around the world. Uh, and I have an MBA in finance, and that's what got me into business. But the uh, I had a very fortunate uh, position of where I worked for Sperry Univac for 14 years, and the younger listeners might not know that Sperry Univac invented the computer, not IBM, but, you know, they're not around anymore. So they were on every Navy platform. Right. And so I was fortunate enough to ride 300 Navy ships as a civilian, living three years in Italy and four years in Japan, and always traveling to uh, aircraft carriers, riding submarines. It was the greatest uh, life I've ever had for for those years. but, you know, we all have this side of our brain where sometimes we want to be an entrepreneur. And when Ronald Reagan um, opened up the Defense Department years ago to sole, non-sole source competition, that's when I jumped in and that brought me to San Diego, the defense business. Well, 
I did that for five years, and I didn't grow it that rapidly because you have to be going to Washington a lot, not San Diego. And um, my wife was an RN, so she had a lot of stress. So she said, buy me a Cold Stone Creamery. That's how it started. And in 1996, wow. yeah, it's, it's just because I was in San Diego. Buy me Diego an ice cream and, store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So because uh, our daughter went to colleges in Arizona, so she knew about Cold Stone Creamery before they came here. Um, so we had a jump. Uh, we were number 53 out of 1,400. So that gives me an amazing amount of experience. And I built the eight franchises, eight Cold Stone Creameries, because the SBA loans were flowing rather well in 96 with a good economy, just like it is now. And that's what, so I can help people in all different areas, not only selling the franchise, but how to finance them, as well as how to get retail space for them or get franchises without retail space, because that's where I've had experience. And that's what differentiates me from other franchise brokers or salespeople, because I'm in it. I was in it for years, and I'm still in another franchise. We'll talk. Well, about. and and Frank, from from what I understand, you represent a hundred different franchise brands. Uh, give us a, a little bit of an overview. How, how many do you think there are overall? How many franchises? I mean, I've I've gone to the uh, the franchise expo here in, in Anaheim at the, the convention center, and it was like three full floors of franchises. I was blown away at the number of franchises. How, how many do you think there are in the, uh, out there existing today? Well, and I just used the because it grows all the time, but some full too. So. A lot of it is about 3,500 franchises. So, wow. And some of them, you know, are kind of ridiculous, like painting bottles and then having a wine party. I mean, and I, who am I to say some of that is grown up? They have robots now that make yoga and you put them at an airport. How are you going to rent an airport? See, people hear this stuff. They hear a radio advertisement and they gravitate towards, wow, I'm going to have a robot that makes yogurt, and I can put it at the San Diego or the LAX and make a fortune and not be around. Well, that's not going to happen. The rent at an airport is the most expensive place in the world. And if you read their legal document, they said, if you're so successful, we can take that territory back. So these are the things I'm trying to always help people with, to pick the right franchise. One is that I've vetted every six months in different cities around the country, we meet with our 100 franchisors. So we know them inside and out, and they know us. So that's how we are different. Now, one thing I've heard from you is that um, most people, and I, I associate this too, I think of franchises, I think of food and food products, like you mentioned, the robo-yogo right. <laughs> uh, type of a thing. So, but, but from what I've heard from you, you represent 100 franchises, but only four of them are food. So that means uh, 96% of what you represent is not food. Do they have a better bottom line than food? Why, you know, why, why, would, why are so many of the franchises you represent not food? Um, and, and give us a kind of an example of the, the different industries they do serve. Sure. Uh, first of all, food, if it was perfect, if everything was running perfectly, you have a 20% bottom line. Well, if you have a Subway, a McDonald's, I mean, let's not put them down. They're the biggest in the world. But, I mean, you, it's, got, it's perfect to get 20%, but now you've got to pay 8% to the franchise or so you're down to 12%. And 12% on a good volume is still a good return. But how about uh, your minimum wage worker? Are they going to work for you? Are they going to – you're going to get the efficiency you want? 
No, I doubt it because I had 150 teenagers working for me in the summer. Not putting down the teenagers. That's why I'd never be in food again. But what's more important to you, I asked, Bill, when they get a text, is that more important to them or the customer they're looking at? And I know you know the answer. So that's kind of why I don't really like food. Now, what's the other areas we're in? Personally, I, I'm in a franchise again with partners at Mission Viejo called My Salon Suites. You actually build salons of 100 square feet in a big building for the hairdressers, nail technicians, and estheticians, and so forth in that industry. And they rent from you, but you have no employees. You have a cleaning service. And that's the mm-hmm. difference. You know, so Sacramento or any state capital can't screw around with the minimum wage and affect your bottom line and your cost of goods. That's kind of now other ones yeah. I deal with fitness space. I have like 12 in the fitness space, senior care, uh, uh, things that can't are Amazon protected. I mean, Amazon's not going to do fitness and that's one of the biggest growing areas, uh, family fitness and uh, boutique fitness, meaning one function like spin classes, Pilates and so forth. So, uh, we also do consulting franchises, and you've seen those. We have them in our networking group, uh, like Sanders and uh, Focal yep. Point. Those are uh, yeah, consulting franchises. And and then we can have the hair salons that are small, the name that everybody knows, Supercut, one of the biggest names in the world. Those kind of single or barbershops, because they're recession-proof. Even if you lose your job, you got to look good, and hair is always recession-proof. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard that, that, yeah, pretty soon all the strip malls will be hairdressers and, uh, and, and, and food, you know, everything else will be delivered by a drone. <laughs> so, so here's the question, because all of these, all of these ideas and all these businesses started from, I, I imagine started from a small business and then they developed a franchise. So, so the question I guess is why should I buy a franchise? Can I just come up with an idea and do it myself. What do I get if I buy a franchise that's better than just doing it myself? Well, I usually have three patented answers, and I teach a course called Franchise Management at San Diego State, and we talk about this. The three things that I ask my students at any time during the course, what makes a franchise different? Number one, branding, because somebody who goes into New York knows your brand if you're big enough or when you're big enough in San Diego, Okay. And you got the same standards. They should get the same food. They should get the same haircut. They should get the same service. Number two, it's the SBA and the financing piece of it. SBA loves franchises, and people ask, well, why? Uh, why wouldn't they love my business? In fact, my business might be more profitable because I don't pay royalties. Well, but a franchise has one thing bankers love. They have statistics. They have in the document you sign with a franchise called the Item 19, they disclose average unit volume of all their locations across the country. It gives the banker a confidence level, an audible level, and he knows what the finance is going to do as opposed to your Mapa, uh, you know, coffee shop that opened yesterday. And the third thing is asset value when you go sell it. Uh, if you, you buy into a franchise like I did in Colstone where they, they maxed out San Diego to 40 units, once you get after 40, people can't go into that territory anymore. People want to buy your franchise, and the asset value goes up because they know about the demand. And that's, those are the three things, Bill, I think really help with a franchise. 
Those are great tips. Now, one of those things you mentioned was was with regards to the ease of financing and the SBA. Is that typically how people finance their franchises? Is, is SBA pretty popular, or are there other other ways that people finance their franchise? Depends on the franchise. That's why I spend almost three hours over several phone calls interviewing my candidates before I suggest three franchises. That's all. I don't want them to get more than that, but I suggest three that they can look at. The the SBA um, franchise will back any franchise I have except the salon suites that I'm personally in because there's no employees. Obviously, government things like SBA love generating employees. It's a political thing they got to talk about, right? So, so um, I have four out of a hundred that I can't finance with SBA, but the other ninety-six you can. And when I tell my candidates, I say this is going to cost a hundred grand for you to get in. I tell them, remember, you put in twenty-five percent, and we can finance seventy-five. I don't want them to get blown away by the cost of something. So, because they have to put in twenty-five percent. Now, in other ways to do it, which this is one of my big markets for executives who are coming out of corporate America, or they like their job in corporate America, but they want kind of a semi-absentee executive model to run with a general manager, they can roll over their 401ks. So I work with four financial partners some roll over 401ks, penalty-free, no problem with the IRS. They've been doing it for 30 years. So people have a big 401k. They can fund the business with it, nothing out of pocket. And we have partners to help them do that. That's interesting. So, so there's a lot of, of ideas, and uh, you don't have to, you know, think of uh, borrowing from friends and relatives necessarily. There's right. there's uh, abilities out there to get financing. So, Frank, let me ask you a question. If if uh, someone came to you and said, Frank, I'm thinking about going into, you know, buying a franchise. Should I be looking for the the hot upcoming? trending new franchise that hasn't hit this area yet like you did with Coldstone Creamery it sounds like way back when or should I be should I look for a sure thing that's already established um, what are some of the qualifiers that you would tell people they should think about well that's during my consultation I'm trying to find you know the risk adverseness you know do they uh, and, and I also say, can we talk to you about your spouse? Can you put them on the line? Because I want to make sure that it, you know, one person is risking and the other person is not. And to answer that question, it's if I tell them if you want to buy a fad like one I sold that comes out of the valley up in Sherman Oaks, Medici's, which is like living in Napoli, the, the pizza is so good. Everything in it comes from Naples, uh, a pizzeria. Well, pizzeria is a hard business to run. Uh, but and they keep saying, well, there's a lot of competition. Well, if you get in with a new product and the area gets maxed out because they sold 400 locations, it did get maxed out. Uh, you can be one of the first, and then you're gonna. When people want to get into that in that county, you can sell out quickly. I tell them, if you get a fad, when the, your sales keep climbing, but they go a little south, don't make the mistake I did. I made some mistakes. I didn't sell all my eight Coldstone Creameries at a profit, big profit, which I could have. Go south a little. That's why I give them my history. Sell. Now, if you have an established one, like a Supercuts that have been around forever, you have a clientele. You don't have to sell because you, your revenue should be increasing, at least by the inflationary level, and be a pretty good income for you. So that's how, you know, either established and hold it, or if it's a fad, if you see it, it's changing, sell out at the top. 
bottom line, there's a, there's a lot of things to think about, and that's why you want to talk to somebody like Frank. Uh, Frank, you have a couple of client stories for us that you I think you wanted to share with us. I'd love to hear those. Well, yeah, because uh, and, and some of them are fun because I also, with my years of being overseas, I uh, kind of work with immigration lawyers because, you know, it gets me, uh, like, for instance, my one, I love her name, Gabriella Bonasarte, right? It's like living in Italy again. Yeah. <laughs> from Palermo. <laughs> and she wanted an E-2 visa. An E-2 visa means you've got to have a small business. And if you can, if you put about a hundred grand at risk, that's about the size of the business you got to put at risk. Uh, you might, with an immigration lawyer, you should get an E2 visa if everything else checks out. She's now living in Pasadena. That took like four months to do. It's not a five-minute thing because it's government-oriented. But she's now has a daughter in a private school in Pasadena. That was her big goal. And she's working a budget blinds, which is another big name that we carry that's been around a long time. So sure. uh, a second one yeah, is these partnerships that I put together now because the MySalon Suites that I own in Mission Viejo with partners, and I've sold out all San Diego County too, it's a capital-intensive business. Every site is like a million dollars to build, which we got commercial loans on from Pacific Western. Um, so I put partnerships together so it's not that capital-intense and sell like a five or six-pack. That way... When all five are developed, they'd be making the income as if they made one, owned one, but they look great to the bank during those five build-outs. So I like doing that, putting partnerships together. And my last one quickly, Bill, is in Coeur d'Alene, uh, Idaho, because I, def I sell around the country. Um, they put in a, one, a modernizing dry cleaning franchise of mine, and she gave up a $300,000 job. You, you try to find people that can do that because she traveled so much, had so much stress in the communications business that she wanted her own business and modernizing dry cleaning. She did her research. There wasn't much dry cleaning competition, and that's like making her life better. That's fantastic, and that's what a lot of people, of course, are looking for these days. They're saying, hey, I'm not ready to retire. I want to rewire. <laughs> I want to rewire my <laughs> life, simplify, and own a small business so I have, I have something to do and some source of income coming in. So, Frank, you have some tips, ideas, or precautions for us. Could you share those with our listeners? Okay. The tips are if you're working with other people that you're buying a franchise that's a resale or you're working with other brokers and, and – I'm not the exclusive broker. There's a lot in this country. But what you have to do is do the validation process. You've got the broker talking to you. You have the franchisor talking to you. You go to a discovery day and get real excited. But the validation process is where you call the existing franchisees that are in the document you're going to sign. Before you sign, call them. I have a book on the Internet, uh, How to Buy a Franchise, 24 Tips to Beware of Before Signing. That, and I will send, if anybody sends me an email for it, I will definitely send you an ebook of that. So, uh, again, my email is easy, frank at franchisefrank.com. That is uh, easy. The validation process, yeah, the validation process is I want you to do that. Make sure you talk to franchisees. They'll tell you the story. Financing, make sure, like when you talk with myself or anybody else, can you do an SBA, can you do a commercial loan, or can you do a rollover that is one of my big things if you have a 401k. And please pick the correct industry. Pick something for my third tip that's not Amazon. You know, it has to be Amazon-proof is the word nowadays. Well, like we said, 
stuff that's recession proof hair you know and uh, non food and consulting things that you can do every day no matter what the economy is it's amazing what you can learn in 20 minutes by listening to an expert and and Frank Caparino is certainly an expert in this space so uh, give us that email again Frank it's so it's easy give it give it to us one more time okay Frank F-R-A-N-K at FranchiseFrank.com, F-R-A-N-C-H-I-S-C-F-R-A-N-K.com, and you can go to that website also, Franchise Frank. Everybody can remember that. So, so Franchise Frank, thank you so much, and you uh, also uh, have offered to give our listeners a, this free ebook for whoever writes you an email to request it. Just right. mentioned you right. heard it on Exit Coach Radio, and Frank is also very well connected as he belongs to a, a large professional networking group called Provisors that connects uh, professionals all over the place. So if you have another need, ask Frank for that as well. Frank, thank you so much for all this great information. It's really been a pleasure talking with you, and I, I feel like uh, it went by so fast we had to probably schedule another one and talk, talk more about what's going on in the franchise world at some point in the future. Great. Same to you and your audience, Bill. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio.